Fast-growing, developing, and emerging countries in Asia and beyond are facing the dual challenges of meeting increasing energy demand while tackling carbon emissions to fight climate change. In this podcast, Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank Chief Economist Eric Bergloff describes policy tools a state can use to accelerate private sector-backed carbon net zero transition, such as state-owned financial institutions and private-public partnerships. He also explains how these tools can be integrated into national strategies to promote innovation and technology adoption. The discussion draws upon his ADBI feature speaker webinar on state capacity and private sector mobilization toward net zero and emerging economies. Hi, Eric. Thanks for joining Asia's Developing Future. To start things off, can you briefly explain the climate costs that emerging economies are facing right now? I was in Sharmal Sheikh in, in Egypt, the COP27 climate conference, and a lot of accusations from emerging and developing countries about the costs imposed on them and the constraints that were at least implicitly imposed on them in terms of their growth path. They were asking for, for exemptions from these various rules that are being put in place to push the net zero transition. What do you think about that argument? This is a very legitimate complaint, and, and these countries deserve compensation for these damages and losses having caused by climate change. But the likelihood that they will get compensation and the likelihood that they will realize their potential is much greater if they can form sort of coherent policies and, and create the environment where the net zero transition can be implemented also in, in their country. The net zero transition is arguably the, the greatest challenge to state capacity everywhere, but particularly in these countries. So we need to enhance the state capacity. Can you define what state capacity is? State capacity building is something that we have been saying for a long time is key to any development policy, any growth-oriented policy. You need to create the basic conditions to allow states to raise fiscal revenue, to invest in future growth-oriented policies. The primary thing is to create the state capacity that allows to bring in the private sector, create the condition for the private sector to play the positive role that it needs to play to bring about this transition. And then in turn, by engaging with the private sector, you build further state capacity and you want to get that virtuous cycle going. And, and that's sort of core to this way of approaching the net zero transition. How can an emerging economy use private participation to accelerate the net zero transition? We have private participation. There are PPPs and they have increased in importance across different segments of infrastructure when we bring in the private sector. We need to think about the regulatory framework, procurement, how we manage contracts. We need to make sure that we have the right regulation in place. And we know that renewables are particularly complicated when it comes to contracting and there's a lot of delays and there's a lot of renegotiation. We need to make sure that we have a robust state capacity that can deal with that. All that is to ensure that when we talk about bringing the private sector, using their capital skills and experience and also their capacity to transform the state, we have these basic things in place. Are there any other policy tools that states can utilize? make use of the capacity that they have to raise capital actually cheaper than the private sector and, and, and use that to achieve these objectives for the net zero transition. 
this gap between the state and the private sector in terms of cost of capital is greater in emerging and developing economies than in advanced economies. And we should try to use this to push the net zero transition. State-owned financial institutions can be very important partners for the private sector. They can be very much involved in, in mobilizing private capital, uh, ensuring that the conditions are right. And part of these conditions being right is that we need to have governance reform. Can you elaborate on governance reform? If money now is transferred to emerging developing economies as part of loss and damages programs or, or with other motivations, there need to be a credible policy frameworks in place. And they should start with the premise of building state capacity and reforming the state-owned financial institutions and empower them to help lead this transition, mobilizing the private sector, creating the right conditions for the private sector to play their critical role, develop technology adoption frameworks that are really adjusted to local conditions, what these economies really need facilitate globally to grant access to finance and technology, ensuring that this is a smooth and fair transition. What are the biggest existing hurdles towards the net zero transition for developing economies? It's not surprising, of course, that there's very little innovation in the emerging and developing world in the green technology space. We shouldn't expect them to have this kind of genuine new innovation. These countries should focus much more on imitating, adopting, absorbing technologies developed elsewhere. You need to develop kind of framework policies and institutions that support that. setting a meaningful carbon price. And this is now generally accepted in, in advanced economies, but still very controversial in many emerging and developing countries. The carbon price is important not only because it helps influence consumption, both among consumers and, and also among producers, but also very importantly because it gives incentives to innovation throughout the economy. How can we work this out? We know that in infrastructure investment, policy risk is probably the greatest risk. The most important credibility here is around emissions pricing and, and reducing fossil fuel subsidies. We have seen now, and we had this spike in prices after the war on Ukraine, the uh, many countries have stepped back in terms of their commitment to reduce fossil fuel subsidies and so on. So we need to find mechanisms to lock in uh, emissions pricing and establishing markets that allow these prices to be formed efficiently. The institutions that we have in many advanced economies, climate councils or net zero councils, try to bring together evidence and monitor what's happening in different ministries and different levels of government. It's important to build concentrate knowledge around assessing uh, green technology and green technology adoption, making sure that we have sort of centers of excellence in, in countries that allows you to select and, and prepare different parts of, of the economy for integration of these green technologies. To wrap up, how can developing and developed countries work together to boost net zero transition? We talk a lot about country platforms these days, particularly in the climate space. The Egyptian government announced something, and this is a platform there. They put all their planned renewable projects. By doing so, provide visibility to the pipeline and to get a sense of what's there. Allowed multilateral development banks to look at, you know, where can we be part of these projects and, and so on. And also make sure that these are compatible. These projects often require a lot of integration with the rest of the energy system. So having them all on the table makes it easier easier to think through those systemic issues. This has been Asia's Developing Future, brought to you by the Asian Development Bank Institute. For more information about us, visit adbi.org.